Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. Johnny, I've been trying to reach you for two days. Who's that? George Reed. Oh, well, I took off a couple of days, George. What's on your mind? A riddle. Riddle? Yeah, and a blonde photographer's model. That's better. How are you with riddles, Johnny? Not as good as I am with... But go ahead, try me. All right. A year ago, this model married Webster Preen. Preen Hat Company? Was Preen Hat Company. He sold it when he retired. Go on. Well, last week, Preen reported his wife had disappeared. And according to him, when she left home, she didn't bother taking any of her clothes or car or jewelry. And she forgot to tell her friends she was leaving? Right. Not even him. You think Preen told the truth? Johnny, that's the riddle. Bob Bailey, in the exciting adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly... Johnny Dollar. (laughs) Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar. To Floyd's of England, American Branch Office, 443 North 15th Street, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the Mad Hatter matter. Expense account item one, 85 cents, cab fare from my apartment at George Reed's office. He was seated behind his desk, his lily-white nose buried in a copy of Playmate magazine. He didn't look up until I was halfway across the room. Hmm? Oh, Johnny, come in, come in. Hiya, George. What you reading? I, uh, I was just taking a look at Bridget Randall, or Mrs. Preen, I suppose I should call her. Yeah, let's see. Yeah. Hmm, very nice. She uh, look familiar to you? Oh, George, you're flattering me. No, really. She should. Oh, why? Well, up until she married Preen, she was a very popular model. Figures. Is that a pun? No. <laughs> Anyhow, her picture was in everything from the police gazette to the ladies' home journal. And after she married him? She retired. Hey, this is a new magazine, George, this month's issue. Well, the picture must have been taken before she was married. Hmm. Well, what do you know about Preen? Not too much. He's over twice her age and, from all reports, has a lot of money. I bet on it. Their marriage caused quite a stir. You know, real winter and spring stuff. The newspapers played it up big. Where were they married? New York. She'd done some ad work for Preen's hat company. He liked her look. And she liked his bankroll. Cynical, aren't you? Yeah. Anyway, since then, they've been living at his place near Los Angeles. Here's the address. All right, thanks. I called Mr. Preen long distance day before yesterday. He knows you're coming out. What about the police, George? You know who's handling their end of it? According to Preen, it's a man named Steiner, detective lieutenant. I got the feeling Preen doesn't much care for Steiner. George, how much life insurance does he carry on his wife? None. None? Nope. Or if he does, it's not with us. Then would you mind explaining why you sent for me? Not at all. We're not interested in her life. Obviously. That's a pretty callous attitude. Let me finish. We're not interested in her life, but we are in her face. In her what? The fine print reads from a point two inches below her chin to the hairline. Come on, break it down, George. Of course. 
Last year, a couple of months before she married Preen, she took out a special coverage policy in case something happened to her face that would finish her modeling career. You know, like a permanent scar, bad burn, anything like that. Uh-huh. She received quite a bit of publicity at the time, and it didn't exactly hurt us either. When does this uh, policy lapse? Well, that's why we're so concerned, Johnny. When she married Preen, she announced that she had given up modeling for good. So we quite naturally thought she wouldn't renew the policy. But she did. Yes. And just ten days before she disappeared... How much did you people bet that she wouldn't ruin her face? The amount she earned year before last. $25,000. Expense account item 285 cents cab fare back to my apartment. On the way, I had the cabbie stop at a newsstand where I spent half a dollar of my hard-earned cash for a copy of Playmate magazine. Yeah, there was no doubt about it. Mrs. Webster Preen was the kind of woman any red-blooded American boy over 30 would be eager to locate. Item three, $190 plane fare, Hartford to Los Angeles, then a cab to the Statler Hotel. I checked in, made arrangements to rent a car, then put in a call to police headquarters. Lieutenant Steiner was out, so I left word for him to call me. Had lunch, and then drove out to the San Fernando Valley. The Preen home was one of those Spanish stucco and adobe jobs. Two stories, probably 30, 40 years old. It sat in the middle of some two acres of orange trees with a plaster wall around all the property, separating her from the subdivision on one side and a main thoroughfare on the other. I walked up to the front door and rang the bell. In a moment, it was opened by a beautiful blonde. If she hadn't been wearing a nurse's uniform, I might have mistaken her for Bridget Preen. Yes? Afternoon. Is Mr. Preen in? Do you have an appointment, Mr. Dollar. Johnny Dollar. No, I don't have an appointment, but I'm sure he'll see me. Really? Yes, really. I'm investigating his wife's disappearance. You're from the police? No, insurance investigator. I see. I'm sorry, Mr. Dollar, but Mr. Preen can't possibly see you. You're uh, sure of that, Miss... Uh... Richard, and I am sure. Mr. Preen has suffered a severe shock. His doctor left strict orders that he's not to be disturbed unnecessarily. And you feel qualified to say what is necessary and what isn't? I've been with him for nearly five years. Well, answer me this, Miss Richards. Do you think Mr. Preen's health would improve if somebody happened to find his wife? What? Uh, I mean, they haven't found her, have they? You haven't answered my question. You want my honest opinion, Mr. Dollar? Helen, who is it? Who's out there with you? Excuse me. No one important. It's Johnny Dollar, Mr. Preen. Now, just a minute. Mr. Dollar, will you come in? Come in. Have him come to the orchid room, Helen. Yes, sir. Well, I hope you enjoy steam baths, Mr. Dollar. Steam bath? What do you mean? Follow me. You'll find out. A pretty girl, in spite of her abrupt manner. And there was a lot going on behind those clear blue eyes. She led me into the house through a couple of large rooms, then up a winding staircase and down the hall to a door at the end of it. Miss Preen's waiting for you in there, Johnny. Thanks. Ouch! Hey, that doorknob's <laughs> hot as... Oh, very funny. I warned you. Here, like this. Come here, Mr. Dollar. Hurry. I'll see you later, Johnny. Close the door. Close it. I, I don't want it to cool off in here. Well, you look surprised. Well, I, I didn't expect to meet you in a hothouse, Mr. Pring. Well, I'm sorry if you're uncomfortable, but orchids must have plenty of heat and moisture. Now, me, I love it. I, I, I didn't used to, but since I've... Well... Since I am at the age where a man is nothing but stick and dried parchment, I, if you can take off your jacket, if you like, Mr. Dollar. Mm, thanks. Do you know anything about orchids? Well, only that they're expensive. Aren't all beautiful things? Sit down, sir. Any place is clean. <laughs> we can talk while I do this. You know what I'm doing. I haven't the least idea. What the bees would normally do, that is, if these plants were in their native environment. Uh, pollination? Yes, sir. Would you mind handing me those tweezers? Yes. Yes. Thank you. Hey. How many plants do you have here? More than 200, Mr. Dollar. 36 different varieties. Ah. Beautiful. Oh, yes. Lovely, delicate creatures. Mr. Dollar, do you think you'd be able to find her? Well, I'm going to try. I'd appreciate it. I have so very few things left these days. I... Did you notice the orange trees when you drove in? Well, yes. When I bought this house, 
The land on both sides was nothing but orange groves. Beautiful orange trees. Green, growing things as far as the eye could see. And now it's a housing project. Yes, well, Mr. Preen, I understand you aren't entirely satisfied with the efforts the police are making to find your wife. And you understand correctly. They have done nothing but ask me the same asinine questions over and over again. Have you talked to them? No, sir. I felt that I should see you first. Get all the information you have. I will cooperate with you all the way, Mr. Dollar. All right. When exactly did she disappear? Just, just ten days ago. She'd come down from our place up at Lake Arrowhead, where she'd spent Saturday and Sunday. Uh-huh. We had planned on going up together that weekend, but I developed a cold. Oh. The evening she returned, I retired earlier than usual, and then when I awoke about 11.30 that night, she wasn't in the room. I called to her, searched the ground, then waited up. But she never came home. I see. Was anyone else in the building that evening? No. We were alone. Rather, I was. Any sign of a injury to her face, or blood, anything like that? Nothing. Yeah. You remember she made any remark earlier, anything that had given you some indication as to whether she planned to go out? She had no plans. She was tired from the drive home, had already put cream on her face and her hair up in curlers, but... Yes? Well, she did say something about wanting to go back to Arrowhead the next day. And you're positive she didn't that night? Mr. Dollar, my wife is a very beautiful woman and an extremely vain woman. She would never leave this house with her hair in such a state. Oh? And even if it were brushed, she wouldn't leave on an overnight trip without taking along a complete wardrobe. All right. What do you think has happened to her? I don't know what to think. If I did, I wouldn't have gone to the police. A few minutes later, I left the lonely old man with his orchids and started toward the stairs. I was about halfway down when I suddenly felt as though I'd forgotten something. Only I was sure I hadn't. Still, something was wrong about this setup. I was trying to figure out what it was when Miss Richards called me. Johnny? Yeah? I'm in here. Better put your jacket on to catch cold. Yeah, well, you better let me worry about that, huh, nurse? Helen, Johnny, I'm sorry I was so rude. But I thought you were just another detective who was going to upset Mr. Preen. Well, what makes you think I didn't? Because he didn't shout at you. Does he usually shout at detectives? <laughs> he ripped into Lieutenant Steiner yesterday morning. Oh? You know why? Well, the police have a crazy idea that Mrs. Preen's body could be buried somewhere on the grounds or... Upstairs in the hothouse bed. Well, how do you know that? Well, they've been after him, trying to get his permission to dig. If they were really serious about it, they wouldn't need his permission. They'd get a warrant. Johnny, you don't believe Mr. Preen killed his wife, do you? At this moment, I have no reason to. Well, everyone knows what a kind and gentle person he is. What about Mrs. Preen, Helen? Well? I hate her. Why? You, uh, care for him? I don't like that. All right, sorry. He's a fine man, a gentleman. There aren't many left. No, I guess not. He called Mrs. Preen extremely vain. Would you go along with that description? It was made for her. Suppose something had happened to her that night. Suppose, well, something that scarred or burned her face. What do you think she'd do? If she lost her beauty, she'd kill herself. Even if she threw away $25,000 by doing it? I know about that policy, but even if it was doubled, she'd still do it. Why? Because she wouldn't have the nerve to face her friends? <laughs> friends. Bridget Preen never had any friends. But that isn't what happened to her. What did? I don't know, but I'm sure she's dead. Why? I... Why, Helen? Johnny, I... Johnny, please. Tell me. Now, come on. I know you have a good reason for saying that. Now, let's have it. All right. Come over here. I put them away in this drawer. See? What are they? Caps. What? Plastic dental caps. Actresses, models wear them over their teeth to give a perfect appearance. Bridget wouldn't leave a bedroom without them. Where did you get them? I found them on the floor of the garage, two days after she disappeared. (laughs) 
Act two of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, in just a moment. Democracy. What does it mean to the farmer? How can democracy benefit the farmer better than any other form of government? These are easy questions to answer because the facts are there. Only in a democracy can the farmer get the most aid from his government, own his own land, produce, and equipment, and still earn a standard of living that is comparable to workers in the manufacturing industries. That's because the people in a democracy tell their elected representatives they want it that way. Government subsidy, free enterprise, open markets, and the will to work and better himself enables the farmer in a democracy, such as the United States of America, to produce one of the world's finest diets. Scientific agricultural advancement and democratic government are the reasons why this can happen. This is a part of democracy. But whether it functions in agriculture or some other form of endeavor, democracy gives mankind its finest legacy of freedom. Now act two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar and the Mad Hatter Matter. Helen, the Supreme's nurse, gave me the set of dental caps that Bridget Preen had used to beautify her teeth. And after telling her not to mention them to anyone, I drove back to my hotel in Los Angeles. Along the way, I racked my brain about whatever it was, something that had bothered me at Preen's home. Then as I passed the newsstand in the hotel lobby, it hit me hard. I had been in almost every downstairs room of Preen's house, and not once had I seen a single picture of the beautiful and vain Bridget. In my room, I was about to call Preen and ask him why when somebody began pounding on my door. Well, Dollar, we seem to have had a hard time making connections, didn't we? I'm Steiner. Oh, how are you, Lieutenant? Fine, just fine. And I think I've got our little case all sewed up. That's so? Yep. Yeah, you mind if I rest? No, no, go right ahead. Thank you. Yeah, yeah see, we've been checking back on Miss Breen's activities for the past few weeks. Uh-huh. Been making quite a few weekend trips, ain't she? I wouldn't know. We figure she found herself a new man, a young man, and took off for parts unknown. What about her clothes? Why didn't she take them? She didn't want to take what old Preen had given her. She's too proud. A little too proud to be true. She had enough things paid for out of her own money to last a good many years. Oh, now, Dollar, you guys let your imagination run away with you. Now, you look at this realistic. Here's a girl in her 20s married to a man who's content to sit home and wait for the golden chariot. And maybe she's content to sit there with him at first. But it ain't normal she should for long. Yeah? You locate anyone who's seen her out with another man? Nope. Tried to. That's the thing that's still stuck in my craw. Well, I don't think you will. Why not? Because she was smart. A smart woman. If she had had a boyfriend, and I'm not disagreeing with you on that score, she was very discreet about it. Mr. Dollar. I'm not sure you were aware of it, but each time you mentioned Mrs. Breen, you referred to her in the past tense. Why? (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. Don't tell me I fell for the oldest trick in the business. Come on, Dollar. Stop playing games and answer me. Oh, you should talk about playing games, Steiner. Sorry, but I wanted to throw you off guard. Oh, you did, pal. You did. What did you learn bird-dogging around today, Dollar? Nothing, Steiner. Nothing, really. You either let me have all the information you've received today, or tonight you'll be on your way back to Hartford. Now, which is it? Okay. Okay. Preen's nurse, Miss Richards, found these on the floor of the garage two days after Mrs. Preen disappeared. You know what they are, I suppose. They don't have to be Mrs. Preen. Take a look at this chart, Dollar. We got it from a dentist last week. Now look at the caps. Okay. What are you going to do? What do you think? Arrest Webster Preen for the murder of his wife. I told Steiner he could never get an indictment. The teeth caps definitely belonged to Bridget, but they were found in her own garage. She could have dropped them any time during that evening she came home from Arrowhead. And I reminded him of Preen's position in the community, his money, how well he was liked, everything. Hoping I could still stall him long enough for me to try something that had been in the back of my mind since I left Hartford. I opened a copy of Playmate magazine to Bridget's picture. Then I placed a long-distance phone call to New York City. Okay, thank you, operator. Go ahead, please. Hello? Hello, Mr. Howard. This is Johnny Dollar, insurance investigator. Yes, Dollar? A client of ours has her picture in the current issue of your Playmate magazine. Oh, yes. Yes, lovely, lovely girls, hmm? Uh, Mr. Howard, her name is Bridget Preen. Bridget Preen? 
Irene. Or Randall, Bridget Randall. Oh, yes, yes, I know her very well. well where is she? We uh, aren't sure yet. Mr. Howitt, uh, I've got to know when that picture was made and the address of the photographer who shot it. Have you got that? Yes, yes, you just hold on. Now, I remember now I was surprised to see Bridget after all that talk about retiring. Yeah. Yeah, yes, here it is. Photographer's a new one as far as we're concerned. What's his name? Tracy, Russell Tracy. Address? Box 17, got it? Box 17. Lake Arrowhead, California. What? Lake Arrowhead. You ought to know where that is. Yeah. Yeah, I do. It took me a little less than two hours to drive up to Lake Arrowhead. When I reached the village, I stopped in at the post office. Yes, sir. What can I do for you? Well, I'm looking for an old friend of mine. He's got a place up here somewhere. Uh, what's his name? Tracy. Russell Tracy. Oh, yeah, sure. Nice little cabin on the lake, about a half a mile down toward the left. You just follow the road. Okay, thanks. Now, uh, the cabin just before you get to Russell's has a big mailbox out in front with the name Preen on it. Got it? Preen? Yeah, I sure have. <laughs> I was there in five minutes. It was small. Two rooms at the most. A dog came from the direction of Preen's cabin to bark at me. Then went back into the woods again. Yeah. Russell Tracy? Name's Dollar, insurance investigator. May I come in? Yeah, yeah, come on in. Thanks. Oh, Mr. Dollar, what's this all about? Bridget Preen. Oh, wait a minute, I'm not... That's a very good picture of her in Playmate. You tell her you sold it? Yes, I did. When? The day you decided to submit it? Or after it was sold and too late to stop publication? Or not until some other photographers started calling her home to see if she'd come out of retirement. Now, look, Mr. Dollar, I haven't done anything wrong. I didn't say you had. I mean it, Dollar. All I did was take some pictures of her. I, I didn't have any reason to kill her. Who said she was dead? All right, Dollar, sit down. I'll give you the whole story, at least all I know of it. Hey, go ahead. Bridget liked modeling. She liked it better than anything else, I guess. And when she found out I was a photographer, well, she was over here most of the time. What about the day she disappeared? I'm getting to it. I'd needed some money a few weeks before that. I needed it bad. I, I had a run-in with the law in Texas a couple of years back. I haven't been able to hold on to a good job since. Go on. Well, I had this one shot of her, and I knew it was right, so I sent it in without her knowing about it. When did she find out? Well, like you said, photographers called her house. Her husband answered one of them. You ever meet her husband? Yeah. Yeah, a couple of times when he was up here. He knew you were a photographer? He's been trying hard to get back at me for taking that shot of his wife. How do you mean? There's a dry well out in the back, about 20 yards from the fence line. After he killed Bridget... He killed... Yeah. Yeah, because the next morning I... I was out with my dog, and we found her face down in the well. I guess he figured the sheriff would find her before I didn't figure I did it. How do I know you didn't? If I had, I wouldn't have dropped her in my own well, would I? Besides, why? All right, she's still there. No, and... No, I, I took her out that same morning. It's a good thing I did, too. The sheriff and some detectives from L.A. were up here nosing around the next day. Why would Crane want to kill her, Tracy? All right, I don't, don't ask why, but Bridget was in love with me. The night she went back to L.A., she was going to tell him. I guess that on top of the picture was just too much for him to take. Dolly, you believe me, don't you? Why didn't you report this to the sheriff? I've got a record, Dollar, and Preen's got more money than he knows what to do with. Besides, there's no proof of what I've, I've just said. It'd be his word against mine, and... Well, you know who'd come out on top. Where's the body now? I'll take it if you want. Yeah, bring your camera. 
A camera. And plenty of film. Don't ask me why I trusted him. I couldn't answer. Except like he said, he didn't have any reason for killing Bridget. He led me deep into the woods, into a clearing. And there, well, he'd done his best to make her comfortable. We removed the rocks and Bridget was... She was very dead. Expense account item four, five dollars and twenty cents. Assorted phone calls, Arrowhead Springs to Los Angeles. I've been hoping you'd call. Is Mr. Preen there? Yes, right now he's up with his orchid. Have you seen Steiner? Oh, yes, he was here this afternoon. He took Mr. Preen away with him. But in about an hour, Mr. Preen came Now, look, Helen, you stay there, but keep out of his way. Do you understand? Oh, Johnny, really, you're talking like he's a criminal. Helen, do just as I say. I'll be there as soon as I can. After seeing that Russell Tracy was safe in the custody of Steiner, I took the freeway out to the San Fernando Valley. It was a little after 9.30 when I pulled into the Preen driveway. The porch lights were on and Helen opened the door. Johnny, you look awful. You had dinner? No, no, not yet. Well, let me fix you something. No, please, Helen, no, What's in the envelope? Uh, nothing important. Where's Mr. Preen? Where do you suppose? Upstairs with his orchid. Would you mind if I went right of up? Of course not, Johnny. You go ahead. When your dinner's ready, I'll call you. Yeah, okay, thanks. Careful of the doorknob. Yeah, I remember I didn't expect to see you back so soon. Hello, Mr. Crane. Ah, didn't dress for us again, I think. You'd uh, better take off your jacket, Mr. Dollar. Uh, afraid I'm not going to stay long enough to bother. Oh, well, now that's too bad. Beauty such as this isn't often seen, Mr. Dollar. I, uh, I disagree with you, sir. What? I think I have something here that's every bit as beautiful as any flower in this hothouse. Well, now, you have aroused my sporting instincts, son, and also my curiosity. What have you... Uh... Here. Oh, no. Oh, no. She was beautiful, no, wasn't she, Mr. Preen? Here, she's very beautiful. But here... Oh, no. Look at this picture. Uh, taken just a couple of hours ago. Yeah, what about this one? What about it, Mr. Preen? What do you think of your handiwork? Proud of what you've done, Mr. Preen? No. No, please. No more, please. Why did you do it? I had to. I had to. She was going to leave me. Like everybody else had done. Everything does. She was going and I couldn't let her... I just couldn't let her go. Well, aren't you been right? After he'd killed Bridget, Crean had not been able to face the many photographs of her about the house. Or any pictures of Bridget, as we learned. One photograph had caused a death. The others we took later put Bridget's husband away for the few remaining years of his life. Expense account total, including car, rental, hotel, incidentals, and transportation back to Hartford... $870.40. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Now here is our star to tell you about next week's story. Next week, a fishing trip that could be very pleasant. Except that one of the fishermen is death. Join us, won't you? Yours truly... Johnny Dollar. Johnny Dollar has come to you through the worldwide facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service.
This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. Hi there, Johnny. This is Buster. Buster? Buster Favor, Lake Mojave Resort over on the Colorado River. Oh, well, Buster, how are things? Oh, you never really did get in the fishing we promised you over here. No, but so help me, I'm going to one of these days. Is that what you call me about? No. Johnny, you remember old Mike Kirby? Kirby, Kirby. Oh, sure. The sweet old fellow I met down at your boat dock. A guide or something? That's the one. Oh, sure, I remember him. How is he? Well, that's what I'm calling about. He, uh, he isn't. What? And Johnny, I think it was murder. Bob Bailey in the exciting adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. (laughs) Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Tri-State Life and Casualty Insurance Company Home Office, Hartford, Connecticut. Following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the Kirby Will matter. As soon as I hung up on Buster, I lost no time in making the necessary plane reservation to Las Vegas and picking up a handful of American Express travelers' checks. That's item one on the expense account, a total of $320. Then I packed a bag, was about to take off, and the phone rang again. Johnny Dollar. Oh, Johnny, I'm glad I caught you in. It's Danny Newcomb at Tri-State Life and Casualty. Oh, hi, Danny. Johnny, I need you badly, and I need you fast. There's only a $5,000 policy involved. Danny. Circumstances are... I'm sorry, Dan, but I can't handle it. I'm about to catch a plane out of here. No, no, Johnny, now listen. There may be a killing involved in this case, so we don't dare waste any time. And what's more... No, no, you listen. There may be a killing involved in what I'm going out of. What's more, the death of our client occurred at one of your old stamping grounds. Sorry, Dan. At the Lake Mojave Resort. Danny, I told you I... What? That's right. Mike Kirby? Yeah. Okay, Danny, I'm on my way. It was 7.30 a.m. when the plane dropped me off in Las Vegas, Nevada, smack in the middle of the Mojave Desert. Even at that hour of the morning, the otherwise clear, clean air was filled with the cacophony of this city of chance. The stuttering clicks of the ball on the roulette wheels, the rattle and gallop of the ivories on the dice table, the endless drone of the croupiers, the flat clank of the chuckaluck cages, the snap of cards by the blackjack dealers, the never-ending click of poker chips and silver dollars. And over it all, the interminable chunk and whir of the slot machines, day and night from one end of the town to the other. Fabulous. I grabbed breakfast, that's item two, then rented a car and headed south and east on Route 93 toward Kingman, Arizona. Then, just five miles short of that town, I swung right on 68 down toward Davis Dam, down to Lake Mojave Resort. Mile after mile of nothing but sun-baked rock and sand, sagebrush and Joshua trees, tumbleweed and cactus. And right in the middle of it, the clear blue waters of Lake Mojave. Buster Favor, whose general factotum of the resort, was waiting for me. After a hearty greeting, he led me into the office and we sat down and got to work. Yeah, it was murder, all right, Johnny. Are you sure? Yeah. And by the way, I don't know how much you knew about Mike Kirby. Well, only that he seemed to be one of the fixtures around here. Was obviously well-liked. Well, he'd been a businessman back east. Owned a string of restaurants, made a fortune. Uh-huh. 
And about ten years ago, he retired. Did a lot of traveling all over the world, I guess. Oh, lucky man. Did he have any relatives, Buster? Oh, only some nephews and nieces. I see. Anyhow, a little over three years ago, he settled down here to spend the rest of his life just fishing, taking it easy. Can't think of a better place or way to retire. How old was he, Buster? Sixty-one. Didn't look it, though. No. Well, if I remember right, he was pretty fit. Mm, he was. Well, I had the impression when I was here before that he was just a hired fishing guy, something like that. Oh, he used that as an excuse to meet folks. Half the time, he clean forgot to charge for his guide services. Accidentally on purpose, no doubt. Well, now you said... Now, don't rush me, Johnny. I got to give you the background. Okay, sure. He kept saying over and over and over again how glad he was to be out from under a lot of responsibilities. And one day, about six, seven months ago, he suddenly transferred title to his boat, his motor, his fishing tackle, and his old beat-up Ford to us. Oh. I know. I asked him at the time, if he wanted to get him off his personal inventory, why not give him to his relatives? Well, what did he say to that? Said he didn't like them. Felt they were just waiting around for him to die so they could get their hands on his money. Oh. That he just wanted to make sure that if anything happened to him, the stuff would end up with us on account of we'd use it and appreciate it. Also, Johnny, he plunked down $10,000 in cash and insisted that we take that, too. Ten thousand? What for? His rent on his cabin for as long as he lived. Well, Buster, did he leave a will of any kind? Well, now I'm getting to that. Anyhow, last Friday afternoon, he went out fishing alone like he often did. And just before dark, one of the rental boats came in with two young kids. They'd seen old Mike's boat up on the beach in that big cove just above the power line crossing. They found Mike laying on the sand beside it, as still as death. Well, they came tearing in to report it, scared half out of their wits. Well, I sure hope you... Oh, sure, sure. I grabbed Ham Pratt and a big flashlight. You remember Ham. Oh, yeah, the manager of the resort. Yeah, yeah. Well? Well, we... We found him there. And he... He was gone. Poor old fella. Go on, Buster. Well, Ham took one look at him and... Rattlesnake, he said it. Rattlesnake did it. Mm-hmm. You could tell by the way Mike looked laying there. Fang marks? Yeah, on his right leg, just above the ankle. And a big bruise on his head, like he'd hit a rock when he fell. But on the phone, you said you thought it was murder. And a minute ago, you said you're sure of it. Well, we put him in our boat, hitched his on behind, and brought him back here. We phoned Tad Harding of the Kingman Police Department. Oh, I remember him. Good man. Yeah, well, Chief Harding took one look and he agreed with Ham. Poison from a rattler. Well, they took him into Kingman and I telegraphed the relatives. But, Buster, now look, you... Then I got to thinking. There was something wrong. What do you mean? Well, there are very few rattlers in this part of the country because of the heat. They can't take it. If anybody would know better than to fool with one, it'd be old Mike. And they always sound a warning before they strike anyhow, don't sure, they? Sure, sure. So early next morning, I went back to the cove. And? Number one, there was no sign of any rock that Mike might have hit his head on when he fell. Go on, Buster, go on. There was no trail from any kind of a snake anywhere around. Well, the sand could have drifted over them. No, sir. The footprints Ham and I and the kids had made were clear as crystal, but no tracks of a snake. All right, go on. Well, then I noticed it. Where another boat had been beached. Strange one, not from our landing. It was right next to where Mike's had been, right alongside. Any footprints from it? Well, if there were, we and the kids had mashed them all out. And I remember the way Mike had been laying there, as though he could have been rolled out of his boat or thrown out right on the sand. Then it looks as though somebody met him out on the lake, banged him over the head, made the fang marks, which isn't hard, then lashed the two boats together, dumped him off at the cove and left. It sure does, Johnny. I want to see that place. Yeah, and all the excitement, I might have overlooked a lot of things. Oh, that I doubt. Now, Buster, if there's no sign of rattlesnake poison in old Mike's body... Well, right after I called you, I phoned Chief Harding. Connor's making his autopsy today. He'll call me. Well, now, look. These nephews and nieces of Mike's, how much do you know about them? Oh, I never met them. But according to their answering telegrams, they're going to descend on us like a swarm of locusts. There are a lot of them? Well, no. I was thinking of the way that they... Well... One, there's a woman name of Martha Woodbury who... Excuse me, Mr. Faber? Yeah, I'm Buster Faber. I am Miss Martha Woodbury. Oh, well, Miss Woodbury, we were just... Uh, uh, this is Mr. Johnny Dollar. Miss... How do you do? Mr. Faber, I'm a niece of Michael, Jonathan Kirby, and probably the major beneficiary of his estate. I wired you that I would be here, and I am. You got here kind of fast, too, didn't you? I also wired Uncle Michael's attorney in Kingman that I saw no reason why he should delay the reading of Uncle Michael's will. 
Lawyer Guilford phoned me about that, and I guess you weren't the only one. He should be here late this afternoon. I also wish to make funeral arrangements, befitting one of his financial status. Uh, won't you sit down? Now, please tell me the circumstances of his death. And, of course, I wish to see the old, the poor darling's body. Miss Woodbury. Oh, uh, yes? What do you do for a living? Why, if it's of any concern to you, I teach at Armand College. Toxicology. Toxicology, huh? Yes. Well, isn't it very interesting? Is it? Why? Who are you, Mr. Dollar? Well, I'm a special investigator for your uncle's insurance company. What? Yes, you see, we have good reason to believe your uncle was murdered. Murdered? Murdered? Who said that? Hello, Martha. Uh, You said murdered. Are you talking about Uncle Michael? That's right. Who are you? I am Chester Kirby, and as far as I know, the heir to my uncle's fortune. (laughs) Who are you, sir? Uh, Chester, Mr. Dollar, is an insurance investigator. Oh, investigator, huh? Dollar? I'm Hank Kirby, family black sheep, also Uncle Mike's nephew. What's his talk about murder? Are, uh, are you three his only relatives? That's right, Dollar, except for Lita. Lita? Lolita Laverne. So we sometimes try to forget that. Oh, come off of that. Why, Miss Woodbury? My sister is a cheap nightclub dancer. We prefer to forget it. And the silly stage name she uses. Now, take it easy, teacher. Of course, Martha. This is hardly the time or place. To... What do you do for a living, Mr. Kirby? Chester? Oh, uh, well, play the stock market a bit, that sort of thing. He's a playboy, Mr. Dollar, and a gambler, and I suspect not a very honest one. Martha, my dear girl, I resent that. You've never done a lick of honest work in your life. And if you think Uncle Michael didn't know it, would let his money ever get into those soft, pickpocket fingers of yours? You don't think you're the well, one Well, let me it. tell you something, Oh, shut up, both of you. A pair of money-grabbing... If you had to work for a living... Like what, Hank? What do you do? Yes... Tell him, Henry. Oh, I told you I was a black sheep of the family, but I work. You know, odd job. I'll tell you, Mr. Dollar. He's a roustabout. Circuses, carnivals, that disgusting sort of thing. Where are you working now, Hank? Well, there's a sort of a scientific exhibit. Sideshow is more like it. All right, all right. Along the highway over near Victorville. A lot of rare animals, reptiles, and things on display. And Henry, dear boy, when he's off the bottle, is appropriately enough in charge of the snake pit. Oh. Ugh. Well, we do scientific work, too. You, you know, like, uh, well, like, uh... Like, uh, what, Henry? Like milking the venom from the snakes to sell to laboratories? Yeah. Well, that is, we... Excuse me. Hello? What? You sure? Mr. Dollar, I think it's about time you tell us what you meant when... Yeah, Buster. I want you to hear this. It's Chief Harding. Go ahead, Chief. Well, as I said, Buster, there was evidence of rattlesnake venom in the body, all right. But it didn't enter at the fang marks on the leg. What do you mean, Chief? Well, the coroner says those marks were fakes. The venom was injected with a needle up near the armpit where it wouldn't be noticed. Chief, this is Johnny Dollar. Oh, hi there, Mr. Dollar. Haven't seen you since you were out here working on the... Was the venom injected into his body before or after old Mike received the blow on the head? Was the coroner able to check that? I don't think he's tried, Mr. Dollar. Well, have him do it, would you please, if he can? Well, sure. Also, I'll do me a favor and check with lawyer Guilford. I'd like to know when he's coming out here with a will. Oh, I saw him just a few minutes ago, and he asked me to tell Buster. Sometime this afternoon, if he can get away. Good, thanks. I'll talk to you later. Well, sure, Mr. As I started to say, Mr. Dollar, I... Look, Miss Woodbury, there is nothing that you or any of us can do until we get the complete report from the coroner. Well, you can at least tell us what you meant And what about dear Uncle Michael's will, Mr. Dollar? That will have to wait for the attorney. He expects to be here sometime later today. Now, wait a minute. You said murdered. Incidentally, I suppose the will shouldn't be read until uh, Lolita, or whatever her name is, gets here. According to her telegram, she ought to get here today. Well, she better. What I want you to do is arrange for quarters here. And, uh, all of you stay here. If you won't do it of your own free will, I'll have Chief Harding of the Kingman Police Department take whatever... No. No. Such a humiliation is entirely unnecessary. There's nothing to keep me from sticking around. I want to hear that world, too. Of course. Don't we all? Okay, then. Sit tight. For my money, any one of them could have done it. A toxicologist... 
man whose business was handling poisonous reptiles, and a cheap tin horn gambler, and the nightclub dancer who hadn't appeared yet. Yeah, any one of them. The latch onto the old man's fortune. I avoided telling the three present about the circumstances of their uncle's death, and the hope one of them would slip would give himself away by saying something to show that he or she already knew. As soon as they were ensconced in their rooms, Buster and I hopped into his outboard and headed up the lake. Remember the last time we rode up here looking for evidence, Johnny? Yeah, I sure do. That was the Midas Touch mine. Yeah. The pretty little lady owned a high-power rifle with a scope sight. Just about here, she started taking pot shots at us from the shore. Well, that's one thing we won't have to worry about this trip. Now, right around this point is where I found Mike's boat on the beach. And like I told you, I may have overlooked some clue that you'll spot in a second. Buster. Yeah? Tell me, did old Mike earn enough as a fishing guy to make a living? Well, just about enough to buy food and a few odds and ends and... Well, like I told you, most of the time he deliberately forgot to charge. Not needing the money and all. Hey, Johnny. There in the cove. What? A boat. Right where Mike's was. Whose is it? Do you know? Isn't out of our landing by... Hey, that's up the smoke from behind the bush way up on the sand dune. Swing us around. That's somebody with a gun. And look, we're taking in water. Those holes in the bottom. Grab that can start bailing. Hey, that guy can shoot. Pull us around, Buster. We're like a pair of sitting ducks out here. Right. Act two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in just a moment. Democracy. It takes an awareness of life and a respect for mankind to make democracy work. But when this happens, democracy works in mysterious ways to better the lives of everyone. Why? Because democracy is concerned with everyone. One could say that democracy is people. For the people rule themselves in a democracy. No tyrant stands a chance. No dictator can get a foothold. The systems of laws and justice in a democratic government is made and operated by the people, for the people. And people like to be free. That's why democracy gives mankind its finest legacy of freedom. Now, act two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar and the Kirby Will Matter. Whoever had been shooting at us from the shore there on Lake Mojave had a good eye. But a 30-mile-an-hour outboard at over 200 yards and swerving like mad can be a pretty tough target. But a hull full of holes, we had no choice but to go back to the landing. There, I made a quick check of the three I suspected of having killed old Mike Kirby. First, his nephew, Chester. Right here in my room, Mr. Dollar, reading. Then a brief walk in the hills. Why? And when is that lawyer coming to read Uncle Michael's will? Then the niece, Martha Woodbury. Gathering a few desert plants, as you must know. Hardly racing about on the lake armed with a gun, as you seem to suspect. Why don't you question Henry? If anyone should know how to handle a gun, he should. So I questioned Hank Kirby. Patient, that's what. I saw no reason to just sit around waiting for that lawyer to arrive. I was fishing in that first big cove on the right. On the Arizona side. That's right. And I saw you and Buster tearing back here. That's when I come back to see what was up. Now, what is up? Mr. Kirby? Yeah, yeah Buster? On the pay phone, the phone booth next to the cafe. Yeah? Kingman operator just called. Yeah? She still hadn't been able to reach your party on whatever that call was you made. Oh, yeah, thanks. What call, Hank? Uh, I've been trying to locate Lita, find out why she hasn't got down here. Maybe she doesn't care about the will. Where is she, Hank? It was to a dive up in Las Vegas that I sent the telegram, Johnny. Yeah, 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 that's where she's been working. Is that where you called earlier, Hank? Earlier? Yeah, didn't I see you in that phone booth when Buster and I pulled out? Oh, yeah, sure, trying to get Lita then, too. Yeah. Yeah, it reminds me, Johnny. Lawyer Guilford just phoned me from Kingman. He'll be over here in about an hour. Then the will gets read, huh? Perhaps we ought to wait for Lita. What do you think, Hank? She'll, she'll be well, did you talk to her? Is she on her way? Yes, she's on her way. All right. If Buster's willing, we'll use the office when Gilford gets here. Sure. So, Hank, 
You tell the others to be ready and waiting. Yeah, sure thing. Come on, Buster. Right, Johnny. What's on your mind? Well, maybe it's just a hunch, nothing more. But I want to get on that phone in the office. I called Armand College first. Yes, Miss Martha Woodbury had left there only last night. So she couldn't have been here when Mike Kirby was killed. A call to Chester's Hangout, a private gambling club in Reno, indicated the same thing. Call number three was to the so-called museum where Hank Kirby worked with the snakes. A place within easy driving distance of Lake Mojave. But the records showed he hadn't left the place in two weeks until this present trip to be here. Lolita? Well, the manager of the club in Las Vegas said she hadn't missed a show. Daytimes? Well, who knew? But she was there every night. Then I suddenly remembered something about the geography of Lake Mojave. Yeah, Johnny. Cottonwood Landing is only about 25 miles north on the west, the Nevada side of the lake. Could that boat we saw in the cove? Sure. That's where it came from. I knew there was something familiar about it. Hey, what are you going to do, Johnny? Hangman. Operator, get me Cottonwood Landing, please. Yes, sir. One of their rattleboats, Johnny. Yes, sir, I'm sure of it. Any number? Any identification on it? All that I didn't see. Anyhow, they rent so many to fishermen every day. Uh Hey, here comes Lawyer Guilford driving up. Good. Cottonwood. Hello, this is Johnny Dollar, special investigator. Yes, sir. I want to know if you rented a boat today to a girl named Lolita Laverne. Laverne? I'll meet him, Johnny, and I'll bring him all in here. Okay. No, sir, uh, nobody by that name rented today. Well, uh, what about Friday? Friday afternoon. Right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, well, the only women we rented to on Friday was old lady Newberry, down from Canada for a couple of days. No, this is a young girl. Well, the other was a Miss Hancock. Hancock? Lucy Hancock. Okay, thanks very much. I've never seen Johnny, this is Lawyer Gilbert. Lawyer, Mr. Johnny Dollar. It's a pleasure, Mr. Dollar. How are you, sir? Now, if, if you'll all please sit down... I'm a little pressed for time, so I'll waste none in getting to the reading of Michael Kirby's will. Well, you you don't think we ought to wait for Lita to get here? It it won't be necessary. No. Uh, No. I I possess a full accounting of the net value of Mr. Kirby's estate. Excellent. It it may surprise you, by the way. Fine, fine. This will confirms that valuation. It is dated, by the way, just five months ago. Made it out right after. Oh, look, let's get to the well. Oh, let's read it. Yes, yes, come on. Please. His real property consisted only of his clothes, then the outboard motorboat, and an old car which he transferred to the Lake Mojave Resort, together with a sum of money to provide for his living here. How much? Only $10,000. Oh, well, good. Some years ago, he turned all other of his real property, including some rather important real estate and business holdings... Into cash. Well, where is all the cash deposited now? Yeah. Surely you aren't considering adding bank robbery to your rather questionable career, Henry. Martha, that is quite uncalled for. Now, why don't we proceed with the will? Yeah. Uh, there is one asset specifically set aside that perhaps I should mention since it concerns Mr. Dollar. He is the beneficiary? Oh, no, 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 no. I refer to the insurance policy for $5,000. Well, don't worry about a piddling amount like that. Let's have the will, man. The insurance policy is to cover burial expenses and nothing else. All of it is to be used. Okay, okay. Let's have the rest of the will. Yes. Can't you leave all that? Very well. I, Michael Jonathan Kirby, do make, ordain... And declare this instrument to be my last will and testament. Oh, why don't you skip that stuff? Please. Being of sound mind and body, determined to enjoy the fruits of an industrious life to the fullest. The bequests, man. Life to the fullest. And rather than burden others with the responsibility that money demands. What? For these and other reasons... I have carefully spent every dollar I ever owned. <laughs> what? No, he was out of mind. I couldn't do that. That is the will of Michael Jonathan Kirby in its entirety. Good day. Good day. What fools we've made of ourselves. What fools. And it's no less than we deserve. 
I only wish that Lucy had been here. Wait a minute. Lucy? Yes, Lucy. A real name, a proper name, not Lolita Laverne. It's Lucy Hancock Woodbury. But as I told you before... Now listen, all of you. You're to stay right here. Stay in your room. Oh? What's the point? Now we know the contents of that stupid will. Yeah. But I want right you... Chief Harding. Tell him to stand by in case these people get itchy feet. Right. What little I'd done so far in this case was based on nothing but hunches. So when 10, then 11 p.m. came and Lolita, Lucy Hancock Woodbury, hadn't arrived, I acted on another hunch. Sure, Johnny. My room is right next door to the office, so if this leader arrives and signs in, I'll let you know right away. No, Buster, no. Huh? Just sign her into a room after you've done a little tampering with the register. What do you mean? Chester is in number six, isn't he? That's right. All right. Change that on the register to number eight. That's this one. Your room. That's right. And be sure that Lita sees the register. I don't understand. You don't have to, Buster. Let's just hope she gets here. Buster left. And with my door ajar, I turned off the light and lay on the bed and waited. It must have been after midnight when I heard the car pulling. Heard Buster admit someone to a room a couple of doors down the line and then go back to his own. Then, silence. Then, the quiet click of feminine footsteps approaching my door. Quickly, in the darkness, I lit a cigarette, held the glowing end away from my face. Well, darling. Yeah, about time. About time you got some sense, Chet. No, no, don't turn on the light. The others asleep. Their rooms are dark. Uh huh. Listen, dear cousin, have you lost your mind? Mm. Shooting at that boat from over the ridge between the two coves. What were they? Police? Detectives? Hmm. You, you should have known you couldn't have hit them that far away, Chet. You should have waited until they got on shore looking for me. Oh. Did they fall for the rattlesnake bite we made on the old man? Uh-huh. Well, they'll never find the needle I used. It's at the bottom of the lake. And look, if the cops question you, I hope you had sense enough to remind them what Martha and Hank do for a living. No chance. And what about the will? <laughs> Would you be surprised? What? Say that again, Chet. Say anything. You sound like somebody else. Yeah, like Johnny Dollar. Let's have some light. Dollar? That's right, special investigator. Oh, no. Let me out of here. Yeah, all four of them had wanted to see old Mike dead. But Hank, the only honest working man of the lot, didn't have the brains. Martha wouldn't have used the means that tied in with her toxicology work and probably didn't have the nerve. So Chet, who lived by his wits, and Lita, who was a real cheap, no account, well, the courts will take good care of them. And I still have to chuckle over poor old Mike's will. Being of sound mind, I have spent all my money. <laughs> Which reminds me, expense account total, including transportation back to Hartford, three thirty-one twenty-five. Yours truly, Johnny Dalton. Now, here is our star to tell you about next week's story. Next week. Well, next week, the most complicated case in years comes up with the simplest, most obvious solution. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, originates in Hollywood. It is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone, who also wrote tonight's story. Heard in our cast were Virginia Gregg, Barney Phillips, Shirley Mitchell, Stacey Harris, Carlton Young, Forrest Lewis, Frank Nelson, and John Vayner. Musical supervision is by Amerigo Marino. Be sure to join us next week, same time and station, for another exciting story of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Johnny Dollar has come to you through the worldwide facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service.
Hollywood. Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.